Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to another week. This is Live Life Crystal Podcast. Hogan and man, Mike Mahler. What's going on, brother? I'm doing good, man. How you doing today? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. So, yeah, I'm home alone like that little kid. <laughs> so yeah, I was like... gonna say I was gonna say your house is probably like uh, that movie Risky Business when Tom Cruise's <laughs> parents left. Sincerest in his underwear, blasting the gangster rap. You know, hey, I do that when my wife's at home. What are you talking? <laughs> <laughs> Rocket pop. That's, well, that, that's why she had to take off for a while. Exactly. <laughs> She's like enough, man. It's like I need a little therapy to get over that one time. Sincere was. I walked in on Sincere butt naked with a cigar in one hand, a bottle of vodka in the other hand, and a coffee in uh, in another area. <laughs> <laughs> I got graphic quick. <laughs> awesome, man. So uh, I guess before we go and get on with our guest, man, let's go ahead and take care of some business really quick. So hopefully you can have some money when my wife returns back here. Yeah, you basically you want, you want to make sure you support our sponsors. And our sponsors are us. So one sponsor is Mahler's Aggressive Strength Supplement Line. And you can use coupon code LLA to get 10% off any of the best nutrition supplements out there, the best natural testosterone booster, the best supplement for optimizing your recovery. It's called Restorezyme, systemic enzymes. And then my recovery oil, which you put on at night before you go to sleep, it's got magnesium, zinc, MSM to help you get into a relaxed state so you get into a deep state of REM sleep, and wake up refreshed, ready to crush it. Don't just focus on intensity all the time. You need recovery too. So two out of three of my supplements, actually all three really help with recovery, but especially Restorezyme and recovery oil. And then the aggressive strength testosterone booster. Read the testimonials on my website. If that doesn't provoke you to buy it, then you're beyond health. Your testosterone is so low that it's time to trade in the man card because you don't need to get a sex change. You've already had one organically. All right, so just keep that in mind. <laughs> nice selling tactic. Yeah, frankly, you got it. You know, you've been listening to the show for a while and you're not on it, not taking my testosterone booster, shame on you. But if you go read that ad copy and you're like, nah, I don't know if this is for me, then man, you got bigger problems than the product. But anyway, besides that, what can they get with you, man? Head over to our other sponsor, that's NewWarriorTraining.com, and you can use that same coupon code LLA. Get 10% off of everything I have over there, including the Wellness Code Book, the digital version. And I'm going to make the, the hard copy available, too. I got some of those sitting around here, and people are asking, do you have a hard copy of that? And yes, I do. So I'll have that up pretty soon, so you guys can have that. And also, also you get 10% off of my Bodyweight Training DVD, as well as Weight Management 101 course. And the Triador Costa Rican coffee drip stands, which now the big one, the Tejas, I'm pretty much almost out of those. Everybody wants those. They were like, hey, man, I'd rather get the big one so I can get more coffee. So I have about four of those left before I get another shipment in. So, again, these are handcrafted, so it may take a few weeks before I get another shipment in of that. Don't wait. Because um, if you've been thinking about it, stop thinking about it and just do it. It's too much thinking, not enough doing. That's the problem with the world now. So, yeah, you can get 10% off of that. So head over there to newwarriortraining.com. You can find all that over at the website. And pretty soon there might be some coffee to go along with that. So yeah, so make yeah, sure that you're on my list. We had a good conversation yesterday about some of the stuff you're working on, man. Some pretty yeah. exciting stuff. So, yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to see how that develops. Yes, yeah, so I'm in the lab right now, man. And um, <laughs> right now my lab rat was very happy with some of the experiments I was conducting. That lab rat is me. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't do it today. <laughs> Which is the most important lab rat, right? Exactly. <laughs> no, and also, actually, that brings up another update with my company is that my estrogen blocker, the formula has been finalized for a while, but I'm going to have the production process get going this month. 
So I should have everything in stock ready to go by the end of September, early October. But this product is awesome. What's cool is both men and women can take it. So anyone who has high estrogen and needs some estrogen control, you need to block that conversion of testosterone to estrogen. This is a great product for you. So I predict it'll be an even bigger seller than my testosterone booster just because that's only for men. And this one, both men and women can take. And estrogen dominance is prolific. I mean, it's it's to the point where I can just look at people, both men and women and tell that they have serious estrogen dominance. So anyway, there'll be a lot of information about the product, why it's important, if it's a fit for you. And it's going to be awesome, man. I can't wait to get that out there. So it looks like it isn't that the name of your bodyguard too, estrogen blocker. <laughs> hey. That's my middle name, man. I mean, if, I'm, if I'm in the room, it actually provide it actually has an estrogen blocking effect on everyone else in the room. Hey, man, better be a it's better to be an estrogen blocker than a cock blocker. Okay, okay. So think about that. <laughs> well said. So yeah, man. So yeah, it looks like it's going to be a good fall for our listeners, man. You got a lot of good stuff coming here by the end of the year, people, just by listening to this podcast. So you know, just, you know, one, one thing, yeah. You know, also, one before we get to our guests, one thing you one thing you learn about, and I'm sure your experience is this, this too, sincere. Is one thing you learn about any project is that it's always going to take longer than you think it'll take, and that's not a bad thing because no. if you want to do it right. It's going to take time. Like my goal was to put out two new products this year, two new supplements, and we're in August, and I haven't even gotten one out yet. Yeah. Now, I'm worried about it because that's what it takes. I've been working on this estrogen formula since last year. People have been asking about us for la- since last year. You know, My testosterone booster took a couple years before it came out, and that's yep. why it's so good. That's why it's highly effective. If I just rushed it to the market, it wouldn't be anywhere near as good as it is. No. So it takes time to produce really high-quality stuff. Whenever you rush something – it's a form of laziness, and it's never going to work out well for you. It's going to be a subpar product, and now you're going to have a reputation of average quality or poor quality. So take the time and the necessary research that it takes to develop really high-quality products and services, and you're going to have a great brand. Yeah, this is the difference between Microsoft and Apple, okay? Microsoft <laughs> continually puts out crappy operating systems, and next thing you get the blue screen of death, and then they're constantly having to do updates over and over and over. Whereas Apple, and I'm not, I don't even have any Apple products besides an iPod. But one thing about it, they're always consistent. And they find a way to also keep you buying their other stuff. Because they realize that their operating system is so good. It's like, you know what, let me give you a crappy charger since our operating system is so well, good. Well, you know what Apple did? And it, it's, what Apple did is kind of like what, it, what a lot of you guys have done with kettlebells. And what I, what I mean by that is Apple made, Apple really resonated with women, in particular, a lot of attractive women. Now, nothing really takes off. Until women get involved, you know, because women are huge consumers. Now you see women all the time with iPhones, iPad, you name it. So they made something that's very visually pleasing so that women are like, that's a cool computer. You know, that's the kind of computer I want in my house. That's the kind of phone I want to carry. And similar things have happened with kettlebells. You know, the kettlebells didn't really blow up until a lot of women started getting involved. And that's what you guys were able to do. You and our guest today, Kim Blackburn, with Kettlebell Sport. You know, I never thought Kettlebell Sport would be something that would be big. And not that it's huge right now, but it's a lot bigger than I ever would have expected. I mean, we looked at it back then early in 2002, 2003. And I was like, I don't know about this. I don't know if anyone would want to do this. And I never thought a lot of women would want to do it. Right. But now that, now that you guys have made that happen, it makes sense because it's a form of weight training that really really ramps up your cardio, your conditioning, and provides some good tone and so forth. So it makes sense that a lot of women who traditionally don't like weight training would gravitate towards kettlebell sport. And now it's now that there's so many women involved in it, it's becoming much bigger and bigger. I mean, there's been more growth in the last several years than all the years before. 
And yeah, definitely. You have a lot of females that represent all ends of the spectrum of women. So all all types of women can look at all the different, the variety of athletes, female athletes that we have in kettlebell sport and think like, okay, she looks like me or she's coming from a similar background. She's a mother that has four or five kids and, you know, she still finds time to do this or she's a busy entrepreneur or all these different things, you know, whether it be body types or just even just even just with their professional life and personal life. So they have more references now that they can connect with and like, well, well, crap, how do you do it, girl? Help, help me out. I want to do this. I'm interested in this. And that's, that's the thing. Now, now there's that connection that's really helping that, that builds the sport now. So it's not this big disconnect like right. it was before. So. And then let, let's Ken, Ken, what do you think about that? Ken Blackburn's on the show today and mm-hmm. he's going to be with sincere myself and Steve Cotter next month in Vegas at the live life aggressively podcast summit. Make sure you go to my website, Mike get signed up while you still can. And we have 35 people signed up. It's going to be a blast. September 2021. So check out my website for more info on that. But Ken, what do you what do you think? What do you take? What do you, what's your take on this whole this whole attraction that women have towards kettlebells? Because you've seen this whole progression happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something that's um, 100% like a real variable. Right. And what we kind of see right now, like if you go to pretty much any kettlebell competition in the country, um, and it could be through any organization. I would say the population of the kettlebell competition is about 60 to 70 percent women. Mm-hmm. And like Sincere had on, what you're kind of seeing, it's a sport that anybody can do. So let's say you're a female and you have an athletic past, you know, this sport's a good fit. But let's say you've never done sports, um, you were never active in high school, college, et cetera. You can still do kettlebell sports. So it's it's very much accessible to anyone. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, what would you – I mean, what, what's what's the big appeal of kettlebell sport? Because we've discussed that it's not necessarily the best way to go to improve physique composition. In fact, in some ways, it can be counterproductive, and we can talk about that. So what, what do you think is the, the big draw that's pulling people in to give it a shot? Well, I think what it is, especially with women, I think they like the blend because the way they look at it, they're like, this is awesome. This is strength training plus it's my cardio. And what we definitely see with the women is that, you know, it gives them a super athletic physique. Um, You know, they look great. They're in good condition. Their energy levels go up. So kettlebell sport is really that bridge between aerobic and anaerobic training. So I think it appeals to females especially. Well, here's the thing, though. I mean, the more the more efficient training gets, the less impact it has on your physique, right? So, for example, when someone first starts lifting weights, they're not very efficient. So they use, they're engaging the muscles quite a bit more, and as a result, they'll bulk up some more and so forth. Now, you look at any elite powerlifter, after a certain point, they'll continue to get stronger, stronger, and stronger without any impact on their physique. They're not getting bigger. They're not getting smaller. The physique just remains the same because their technique is just getting more and more efficient. So with kettlebell sport, do you think that there's at some point a negative for your – I mean your conditioning obviously will continue to improve. But as you get more efficient, is that going to be counterproductive for your physique? In other words, is your physique composition actually going to get worse? Have you seen that happen or is it, is it more the opposite or is it just working out? Well, I think a lot of it depends on what your cross training looks like and what okay, your supplemental or assistance work is. There so if go. you're somebody that's just doing kettlebell sport, you're absolutely right. Over time, you're going to acclimate. You're going to become so efficient that right. you're just not going to get the conditioning effect you did in the beginning. But that's where you can plug in some awesome assistance work. So that could be metabolic conditioning. It could be Olympic lifting. It could be you know, bodybuilding, hypertrophy type work. So there's a lot of things that you can couple with kettlebell training 
to ensure that you get the conditioning effect, but you also get the aesthetic effects you're looking for. Well, well, what are you doing there? I mean, you know, because you're you're well known to have a good physique. You know, you're about 25 percent body fat. So what do I, <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. I was trying to say that with a straight face to you, really. Strong. I was like, you know, you walk about five percent body fat without any effort. You confused the hell out of me. I was sitting thinking, like, wait a minute, that's not a since, good number, man. Since I'm, you're at a delayed effect there, since like, you're all taking notes, twenty five percent body fat. I was like, wait good. a minute. He's like, wait a minute. Ken's like no, a quarter but, fat. No, but all joking aside, I mean, you you you're you're actually a, a big strong guy, good physique, and you're very you have great joint mobility and mobility as well. So you kind of represent how to. create create this balance. So what are you doing with your own training to further that in? With my own training right now, I'd say I'm doing the kettlebell sports stuff about two to three times a week, but at least for the training phase I'm in right now, mm-hmm. I'm focusing a little bit more on hypertrophy. So you would almost say it's very similar to a bodybuilding protocol. Right. So I'll probably do this for another four to six weeks and then I'll switch. And at that point, maybe I'll focus more on metabolic conditioning. Maybe I'll get back into a lot of the power lifts or Olympic lifts. So depending on the time of year and depending on, you know, things like competition, travel, et cetera, those are all things that are going to impact what type of uh, supplemental training I'm going to plug in. Right, right. Now, there's no there's no point doing that bodybuilding routine, Ken, because there's only two women that are attending the course next month in Vegas. So no need, you know, no need to get ready to be in your training trunks just for that. He's getting beach body <laughs> so, ready. It's the fall, Ken, man, and it's Ken's Vegas. Already, there are no beaches. Ken's all ready for Mandalay Bay Beach. I think it's going to be closed in September. <laughs> I know. I've been like tanning and shaving nonstop. This is a huge disappointment. But actually, it is Mr. Olympia weekend, so, so we can yeah. we can bump us that event and have Ken run up on stage. Age real quick while everyone's oh, and, I would, and, I, and at 25% body fat, I would easily be competitive. <laughs> on, those guys are going to be so hungry, they might end up trying to like break you down. Usually as a buffet, man. That's going to be starving. <laughs> <laughs> what, what thing I've been really impressed with you, Ken, is, uh, is your relationship with your son. And we have Mitch on it. We'll talk to him in a second. But I've been really impressed how how you guys have such a tight relationship, and but you're st- but you're not his buddy, and I mean you're his friend, but you're you're also his father. That line is clearly marked, and he respects that. And what you've been able to do that I see so few parents do well is encourage your son without overbearing, without being condescending, and without putting him down in any way. It's always from a full place of support. And he's gone on to excel in kettlebell sport, to say the least. He will let you talk about his accomplishments. And then also, I'm, I'm curious how, and we'll have Mitch talk about this when, he, when we get to him, how that has affected his mindset in terms of the way he carries himself. How, how has building all of this really impressive strength and changing your physique composition and so forth affected, permeated to other areas of your life? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm really fortunate. I mean, Mitch is, you know, um, you know, you know, some people might have the conception that, you know, I'm waking him up in the morning, you know, banging a pot <laughs> above his, his bed, you know, get up 4 a.m. And it's the complete opposite. He's entirely self-motivated, you know, oftentimes more than not, he works out by himself. So he's really, um, you know, it's kind of an easy role for me. So I, you know, got to kind of take a step back and say, hey, it's, it's all him. He's working hard. He's uh, he's put in the time. He's made the sacrifice and he's getting the results. And I'm just lucky enough to help him with the programming. Now, what have his what what have his accomplishments been, Ken? For people that are not familiar with who he is, uh, Mitch has been competing in the sport now for a while. Uh, but I would say most notably, uh, he's a master of sport in the long cycle with the 32s. And so, right now, the goal is to continue training. Uh, we're looking at attending U.S. Nationals coming up uh, in a couple weeks. 
and then based on that, uh, ideally qualify for the world championships in Germany. Now that's that's double seventy pound kettlebells doing clean and jerk for ten minutes without putting them down. For people that are not familiar, in that at what body at weight? What is body this weight? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mitch is around one eighty right now. Okay. He's getting very close. Yeah, so he's definitely put on some uh, put on some muscle and gained some weight. Yeah, good deal. Hey, Mitch, are you there? Or are you on? Yeah, yeah, I'm here, guys. Hey, man, good to have you, buddy. Oh, thanks, dude. Up, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, it's a pleasure. How was uh, how how has this whole experience been for you? Because you weren't really physically active before you got into kettlebell sports, my understanding. So, I mean, what was it about it that appealed to you? And then and then what happened to make you just put in the work to have all these impressive accomplishments? Um, I I guess one of the key things that kind of stuck out for me is it seemed like a really good tool for like durability, mm-hmm. as goofy as that sounds. To where I don't I I kind of like bloomed really late. To where I was kind of like the small kid and like the short kid for forever, and so, <laughs> you know, messing with that stuff, I just I noticed some differences, and I've like I've never been the kid that got hurt or looked at as like fragile anymore, and I think that's probably one of the key motivators is, uh, you know, people not looking at you as being like small anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you're not looked down on. I, it's. I, I really don't know. It's just kind of one of those things that becomes no, I know like exactly a what you're drug about. eventually, you know? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. When I was in high school, I, I was I was, when I was was a senior in high school. I was six feet tall, weighed 160 pounds, you know, never really got into working out. And then I started then I started lifting weights, and I, it just really pulled me in. And then I put on 30 pounds, put about 30 pounds of, of muscle in a fairly short period of time, started getting strong. It changed my whole demeanor, my confidence. Everything changed quite a bit. To the point where, I mean, a few year, two years later, I could walk by people I knew in high school and they wouldn't even recognize me. Right, yeah. I w- went through that same kind of situation, yeah, because I used to be like the morbidly obese kid. And then right. just kind of like over a summer, it was completely different. And now, then, how, do you, how do you compare life as that morbidly obese kid to where you're at now? How has your whole view of, of, of just living changed I, since then? I guess it made me like – really uh empathetic towards Mm. a lot of things you know right right it's like once you kind of experience that lifestyle it's it's kind of hard to be a dick after that point (laughs) no doubt (laughs) no doubt that's a good point man that's a really good point because i feel the same way you know i went through not so much bullying but i I dealt with a lot of crap when i was in high school because i was i was in a very conservative basically waspy high school in the 1990s and i had dreadlocks (laughs) not like sincere (laughs) didn't look as cool as he does with though but i had dreadlocks back then i was really into punk rock and all that stuff but i I went to a school where no one even listened to hip-hop yet you know everybody this is like people listening to bruce springsteen and stuff like that so it wasn't a hip (laughs) school at all and there was there was a small contingent of us that listened to new york city hardcore and, and thrash metal and rap music, just anything that was not mainstream. And we all got a lot of flack for that, man. There would be jocks that would try to beat us up, you know, if they saw us on the streets somewhere at night and things like that. And that and that's why it's always there's always really strange ironies in life when I'm teaching a kettlebell workshop and I've got these really jockish type dudes in the course. You know, part of part of me wants to give them a little extra punishment just for the hell of it, you know, and I, I have to hold back. It's like, oh, okay, let's have you do double seventies for the whole course today, yeah. buddy. <laughs> now, Ken, I, you know, as a father, how is it that you, know, you were there for Mitch as far as, you know, you have some of these parents, man, especially dads, because right now as we're doing this show, 
It's August, the first week of August. So basically, this is two-a-days. Two-a-days started this week. And this is when all the ghosts of has-been fathers past come rear their <laughs> ugly heads. And now they're really pushing their sons, you know, hey, you know, you got to go out there. And you got to make district, get All-American. You got to get the scholarship. You got to go on playing college and then get in the NFL because his dad did not. Okay, and that's usually what happens. So they're really, they're really pushing these kids and pushing them and pushing them. And to the point where some of these kids don't even care about that stuff. This dude, like, I want to go on and just, dude, I just want to own my own business. I don't even want to do this kind of stuff. Or, hell, I just want to work at the mall. Leave me alone dad but you know they kind of push him or whatever and you also have the parents who have kids who are obese and they're, they're having their weight problems at the same time they may not they're not participating in sports per se and so these parents are feeling like they're helpless and and they're kind of pushing like don't eat that don't eat that or they're just kind of letting the kids eat whatever they want how did you balance all this out man and just really i don't know just not get in the way of letting mitch you know find find his way during this time in his life, because, you know, when you're a teen and you're going through all this stuff, I mean, being a teen already sucks as it is just just being a teen. But then when you have other things going on, when, you know, one minute you're, you're the really tiny kid with no muscle. And then next thing you know, over a summer, like Mr. said, you're overweight. And so you got all these different things going on, man. So how do you just kind of really help him find his way during that during that time period in his life? And without being the pushy, pain ass father, which you probably may have been because. You can be a pushy pain to ass coach. <laughs> yeah. you Mitch know, is I mean, totally sitting here nodding his Mitch head going, like, yeah, yep. he was completely that guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a passive approach. He's like, come on, yeah. have you met my dad? You know better than that. <laughs> I think a big part of it is just, you know, it's patience. And, you know, and I had it real easy because, you know, Mitch was, like I said, he he's motivated. So there was never like, there never has been like me having to motivate him to do stuff. I mean, he's naturally kind of a driven person. And I think with some parents, it is difficult because they're dealing with kids that are, you know, genuinely lazy and really have no interest in their health. They have no interest in getting in shape. They have, they, they don't really seem to care. And, you know, for some parents, they have a really tough go of it. For me, that just wasn't the case. So I, my goal was just to sit back, be patient and if he decided he wanted to do kettlebell sport, you know, Hey, great. You know, love you no matter what, if you decide, you want to do something completely different, you know, love you no matter what. So I think it was when he finally made the decision that, yeah, this is what I want to do. It was 100 percent his choice. It wasn't me pushing him in that direction. And I think ultimately, if you push too hard, then really all you're going to create is resentment. Exactly. I totally agree. So, Mitch, let me ask you a question now. Pretty much, you know, every now and then your dad posts some pictures of himself, you know, looking like Keanu Reeves from the 80s, you know, pretty yeah. much. So it's, it's obvious that, you know, Ken's been, you know, an active athlete pretty much most of his life. Did you ever feel any kind of pressure, man, growing up that you're like, OK, I got to follow my dad's footsteps. I need to be this. You know, your dad's been in all types of martial arts and boxing and, you know, which explains a lot with his thinking process with the boxing part, you know. So right. <laughs> frontal lobe, yeah, baby. baby. <laughs> you know, so I'm just happy you can actually still put two sentences together, man. And so yeah. did you ever feel any pressure whatsoever? Like, OK, I got to I have to be this superstar athlete. I have to do this just to try to exceed his expectations or anything like that. Uh, I don't want I maybe, but uh, it's kind of one of those things. Even ever since I was like a little kid, I've always been like extremely like, uh, I guess, competitive. And I'd get like easily frustrated when I sucked at something. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was kind of just a natural thing. But I mean, yeah, it is pretty disappointing when like this large dude is like more athletic than you. Like when you're a little kid. I still so, I mean, I, still I guess there was some motivation there, yeah. But uh, I was kind of exposed to, like, martial art clubs and stuff like that ever since I was little. And, you know, atmospheres like that aren't, uh, aren't like, a demotivational place where you just right. feel bad about yourself. So, no, I was kind of always exposed to just encouragement, really. Well, I'm, I'm curious – 
I'm curious what caused you to get overweight in the first place, if you don't mind talking about it. Yeah, yeah. No, um, it was because I was originally just like an extremely like skinny kid. It just not sure why. Just, you know, genetics, I guess. But um, yeah, I was like always kind of looked at as like a twig, I guess. And so I started, of course, just being a dumb little shit. I started overeating, you know, and uh, my main goal was just to get bigger. I didn't I didn't care how I just like was tired of being like the scrawny kid. And of course, that just kind of ended up being counterproductive, too, because then I was just the overweight kid. And and if you're like a naturally skinny person and you force weight on yourself, you look worse than a naturally fat person to where <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, I, I just kind of put myself in the hole completely. And then, you know, working out of it's kind of hard just because you turned like a natural, you know, good metabolism, stuff like that into crap. Right. To where, right. Right. Yeah. You know, the thing about set points is that once once you've gained a lot of weight, you have a new set point that's set higher. And even if you lose the weight, the set point does not go down, which is one of the things that makes weight loss so difficult, not only to actually even lose the weight, but to keep it off is often a bigger challenge than it is to lose the weight. And it's because of those set points. And that's what a lot of people don't realize is, I mean, if you gain 50 pounds, and especially if you hold on to it for a while, your set point is now that high and once you lower that once you lose the weight you're still going to have that high set point which means that if if it took let's say 800 calories in a meal to make you feel satisfied even at the lighter weight you're gonna if let's say you drop down to 500 calories per meal you're never going to be satisfied so now there's a level of mental toughness that has to come into play you basically have to have to deal with being a little bit or even a lot unsatisfied after every meal for eternity, which is often depressing for people <laughs> for to hear. Yeah. No, it's often depressing for people to hear, but it's a reality. It's like people that were alcoholics, right? It's always going to be a struggle. It's not like yeah. it ends. It's no. like you've been an alcoholic for 10 years, and then you could you could quit the, the sauce for three years, and you're still going to be – Ken's like, hey, I'm having the sauce right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, vodka's a performance enhancer. <laughs> I noticed Ken had one too many vodkas a few nights in the row. <laughs> but he was out of here. So, Ken, I think we need to call – I think we need to get you. Okay. <laughs> We're going to have an intervention when you're out here. It's like, yeah, oh, that's it's, fantastic. I have that to look forward to. Teach yeah. neck. All of a sudden, <laughs> everyone you've ever known in your life just shows up. It's like, hey, is this family reunion? <laughs> you know? Well, we could just plan this intervention post my Mr. Olympia pose off. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, then, then we'll have you locked away. And that'll be the proof. So we need to have this guy just locked away for a while. It's like, Let me show you what happened at the Mr. Olympia. Okay, let's put this guy away. <laughs> we have like YouTube footage and it's just horrible <laughs> anyone who's ever had any addiction it, it's it's not something that you necessarily ever get over it's something that's always going to be no, a struggle it's, it's, a, it's an everyday freaking struggle man it, right. it is not i mean no matter how hard you try and like you said it sounds it's very depressing when someone hears that but you know it just is what it is but the thing is it's like there are so many things that the reason why so many people do well and you know not do well is the fact that it's all about you know what's more important to you at that point and you just got to really and if you're in that moment and you're not thinking about like you know you walk by and then you get a whiff of some rum and all of a sudden you start reminiscing like i remember last time i had that rum man i was on the beach <laughs> and this hot yeah. chick walked by so you start focusing on that moment but not realizing how sloshed you got and you ended up butt naked in the hotel hallway later on <laughs> that night 
So you forgot <laughs> about that. You were faced out on the bed with a bottle well, of Luba in and, one hand. <laughs> thought, Man, and, I feel bad. To my, why does my butt hurt so much? <laughs> <laughs> so, so you don't remember those. You, try, you can really forget those times. So, <laughs> wow, that went in a different direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It went one direction. Okay. So. <laughs> Talking about set points. Now you know where that bed. Now you know where that bed got to be. <laughs> hey man, one of the guys' names is Harry Styles. I mean, that says it a lot, right? There. <laughs> oh man, so <laughs> kids are already debating. It's like, hmm, do I even want to share this episode with my audience? For this <laughs> oh man. <Yeah. laughs> no. Yeah, but yeah, but one thing that sucks about that set point. I think like Ori Hoffman used to hit. You know, he hit on this a lot during the right. Warrior Diet and all that. Just really setting that point because what's happening here? Like, if you're sitting there consuming 800 calories a day, and then as soon as you start rapidly dropping down to 500 or something like that you're telling your body you're in trouble because right. they've been saying look exactly we, we've been living off 800 calories man we've been we're still here now all of a sudden, <laughs> oh, it's like oh crap he's starving this dude's not eating enough so it's not even about in your mind you're thinking you're not satisfied but your body's feeling like okay we're gonna die we're gonna die right now we need to eat some more food man so we don't die and that's what's happening with that so that's the one thing you got to gradually do it that's why these rapid these 30-day challenges and all that crap and 30 times 30 pounds in 30 days i'm like yeah good always comes back. back yeah it's like okay yeah you're gonna lose 30 pounds in 30 days but guess what right. 60 days from now 60 pounds is gonna be sitting here at the party next time that's <laughs> every pound that you lost is gonna bring a friend next time around man so you gotta yeah, think and about it, that. exactly and it always comes down to your hormonal health as well i mean yeah. if you if you get your leptin and insulin sensitive again then all of a sudden you're gonna find that you get that shut off switch when you're content with the meal. Now your brain, your cells, your muscles have all been satisfied and you're gonna get that shut off switch to stop eating long before nutrient spillover will occur. And it takes time to do that. You know, if you've been if you've been unhealthy or overweight for a long time, it, it just wreaks havoc on your endocrine system. And it doesn't mean that it can't be turned around, but it may take some time. And once it is turned around, though, then it's then it's no longer a battle of attrition. I think that's often the goal. Like in our in our industry, we always hear, you know, there's so many people with eating disorders that are fitness, quote unquote, fitness experts. I mean, if people knew, they would be shocked the ins, the ins, ins and out of our industry. But one thing that I often hear from people is the whole focus on cheat meals, which I always thought was a big mistake. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like, it was like, I got something to say about cheat like, meals, man. Yeah, so basically, okay, Sunday is my cheat day. So that means Monday <laughs> That means Monday through Saturday you're miserable and you can't wait to get to Sunday. That's, that's, that's one of the negatives with that. Two, you want to get to the point where you don't even want those things anymore. It doesn't mean you don't have it every once in a while if you want it, but you want to get to the point where the majority of the time you don't even crave those things and then you don't want your whole lifestyle focused around when you're when or when you're not going to have a cheat meal. So when you get yourself really healthy and your hormonal system is healthy, you feel good all the time. I mean, the average person has no idea how good you can feel with the healthy endocrine system where you wake up feeling like a million bucks. You're crushing it in your workouts. Your zeal for life is high. You just have all of these goals you want to accomplish because you have so much energy. The average person does not feel that whatsoever, not even right. half of that. So, I mean, so for them, they're thinking, well, I need these cheat meals as a motivator, which is this the wrong motivator. When you get everything healthy, you, you, you could care less about any of that stuff because anything that's going to take you out of that state of feeling great is not something you want to engage in. You're going to automatically avoid it. 
Right. And I always say this, man, when anytime you start talking about cheat meals, when somebody says, Yeah, so what can I have a cheat meal? I said, Let me ask you something. <laughs> Especially like with women. I was like, Let me just, yeah, what if yeah, you, yeah. I said, What if your husband had a cheat meal? What does that mean? I said, What <laughs> if like let's, just say, let's say he's faithful to you for six days a week, but on Sunday he gets to bang whoever he wants to. Because you know, that's the only way he's gonna keep himself healthy and keep your relationship healthy. And they look at me like, What? I said, Yeah, exactly. That's the same thing. I said, the key word is cheat. Cheaters never win. There's no such thing as a cheat meal. You're not cheating anyone right now. I said, you're focused on and sabotaging your diet and, and, and your lifestyle and your health. So that whole cheat meal thing is just BS. So next time you think about having a cheat meal, look at your significant other and ask them if they can have a little cheat meal too, have a little something on the side that they can look forward to on the seventh day or on the weekend. So think about that. <laughs> That's a powerful analogy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, usually most of the guys, I can't see, I never really share that with men because they're kind of looking like, okay. <laughs> it's like okay, I like this. I like this idea of the cheat meal you're talking about. You <laughs> like, know what? Sounds like a good strategy. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know what? I'll eat healthy for seven days a week, and I'll just have a relationship cheat meal on Sunday. How about that? So you yeah. know, like think about think about think about that. I mean, you're 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 completely joking around, but let's say theoretically, someone actually had a relationship like that where they're basically saying, "Hey, look, you know, Monday through Saturday it's just you and me, but Sunday, you know, I'm going to go do my thing, and just don't ask, and I won't tell." <laughs> right now, that think, really happens too. Think think about. Think about how healthy that relationship is going to be, man, because the whole week that guy's just focusing on Sunday. Like, oh, I can't wait for Sunday that I get to really have it. <laughs> and guess what? That what chick is wondering – and she's what wondering what you're going to bring back on Sunday too. <laughs> <laughs> what does that say about the time you're spending with your significant other, man? You're basically saying, I don't really want to spend time with you, but let's make a deal here where I'll, I'll spend the most of the week with you, but Sunday I'm going to finally let loose. Whew, go have some fun. It's cheaper that, to keep her, Mike. That's the only reason why I stay there for six days a week. Well, there's some truth to that. You yeah. know? But that's a whole other show. You know? <laughs> right now, you're having a whole bunch of listeners out there panicking because their wives are listening and they're going to be like, you know, great. Turning if, it I down. Cheat on my, if I have cheat meals, she's going to think I cheat on her. Oh, that's, well, that's that what you call it now? Mother, you well, know what? That too is, and Sincere, Sincere has eloquently brought this up in the past. I mean, if. If, if you even want to go do that, then you should go do that. You shouldn't be in a relationship. That's the problem. Most people lie to themselves. You know, They get into situations that they don't want to be in because they don't have the courage to be fully honest with whoever's around them and say, look, this is who I am. This is how I'm going to live my life. Now, can you deal with that? Great. If you can't, no problem. But very few people have that level of authenticity. Forget about relationships. I'm, I'm talking about just your career. You know, Most people, there's a, there's a great book by – James Altucher called Choose Yourself. And he has another one called The Power of No, which is awesome too. And he, I mean, he just talks about how so many people getting stuck in, in deleterious situations just out of some kind of false obligation. It's like, well, my parents wanted me to be a lawyer, so I had to do it. <laughs> or, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to work at, at Oracle, but, you know, I've got family, I got a wife and kids, and I got to think about them. And, I wonder how – I mean the majority of people live their lives this way, and it's, it's really depressing, man, on the, for me to look at that. Because I, and I know what – just like what Mitch was talking about, how it makes you more empathetic, how he, he's been unhealthy. He's been overweight before. It makes him less likely to be a dick because he understands all that. I'm, I'm actually a little bit of the opposite. I'm more likely to be a dick with people that are not living their life fully because I know exactly what they're missing out on. You know, I've, been, I've been that corporate dude where you wake up and – you need a couple cups of coffee just to get going, just to get your eyes open to go deal with the day. And then you're stuck at this job where you're bored out of your mind. It's not remotely fulfilling. And then you're tired all the time. And it's, you're not tired all the time because you're working so hard. You're tired all the time because you're, you're not fulfilled in any way. And then I've, then I've been in the situation, the fortunate situation where I'm at now for 12 years. I've been doing what I love, fitness-related stuff. 
And it's a totally different situation, man, where you wake up and you're excited to do what you want to do. And that that's, that's an incredible feeling when you're actually excited about your life and about what you're doing for a living. I mean, not too many people have that and they're really missing out. Yeah, I think exactly. It was, I think it was really cool. Like we're, we're the position that Mitch is in right now because Mitch is in college and you know, he's got a dad that's like, Hey man, you know, here's how you not F up. You know, learn from my mistakes, but at the same time, he's not pressuring Mitch to do this. He's not do that. And this is coming from eyewitness accounts. It's not like it's in his bio. It's just like the fact I know these guys, <laughs> you know, so and, you know, know what type of guy the kid is or whatever. So, you know, he's in he's in a fortunate position where, you know, he can be this way where a lot of kids, they're not getting that, man. And what sucks is there are a lot of adults now who still don't get it. You know, their parents are still pressuring them. They're, these adults are like 40 years old and their moms are still pressuring them to do stuff. I'm like, are you kidding me? And you got women, you know, their moms are like, when are you going to get married? You're becoming an old maid. When are you going to give me some grandkids? You need to have them get married and have a kid. Or if you've been married, you know, five years, you know, five months later, like, so when are we going to have grandkids? Wait, wait, wait. I, I mean, you know, the ink's not even dry on like the, the wedding certificate right now. Like, can you calm the hell down? And I don't even know if I even want to procreate with this dumbass right here. You know, I mean, I love him, but I shouldn't procreate with him. I don't need to create another dumbass. I mean, you did a great job. Well, yourself. I mean, a, lot, a lot of people don't want to have kids. And no. then they have they have kids because of some kind of just like what you said, some societal <laughs> obligation. Their wife wants to do it or That's their the husband wants to do it yeah. or their family wants to do it. And, you know, I, I knew I knew fairly early on as a, as a young adult that it, it, what the, just being that family guy having kids and all that stuff that that wasn't something i cared about it's not like i dislike kids or anything like that you know I, I like old people and old beings but it's just not something that i care to engage in you know that may change i'm only 40 right now but as as of right now it's not something i care about but uh that that goes back to just living authentically having the mm-hmm. courage to, to be really honest about who you are and what you want to do with your life and and not making and and, and not not making any compromises on that right now, here's a real question. Now, here's, here's a question for Ken and Mitch, but most of Ken, like one of the problems I see with a lot of parents these days, because they try so freaking hard to be hip, you know, and they, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I see some of the things they'll post online. I'm like, OK, first of all, why, when I see a 40 year old man say YOLO, I want to punch him in the throat. Okay, I'm like, dude, first of all, <laughs> I'll take that better yet. Gotcha. I even, hey, what's up, player? <laughs> you want to see an 18 year old male sit there and say, YOLO, I want to punch him in the throat. Okay, so, so that's my thing. So you, you see these parents who try so hard to be hip so they can feel like they're relating to their kids, man. And they're trying to be more of their kids' friends than their parents. And they tend to mix up the two, you know. And then you've got some who just say, like, you know, I'm your father. I'm not your friend. You know, I'm not your friend. So, you know, how do you, like, do you balance the two and how do you balance the two, man? And as far as your relationship with Mitch? Um, yeah, as far, as far as, like, I try to make sure that, you know, I, I don't wear any, like, uh, fashions that really aren't applicable to yeah, my skinny age, pants so. don't worry about that kid those <laughs> days are over okay <laughs> yeah i think skinny pants and my 25 percent body fat we talked about earlier those two are definitely 100 percent body fats in his lower body <laughs> 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 mainly the gluter gluterous area <laughs> oh bad visual. So i bad think it's kind of it's uh, I think it's 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 a balance. I mean, it's one of those things where, um, you know, I think, you know, as, as a dad and, you know, regardless of whether Mitch is, you know, he's 20 now, he's going to be 21 soon or back when he was 10. You know, ultimately, you know, everybody's got a unique experience of life. And so I try to do what I can to understand, you know, hey, what is it you're going through? What are you struggling with? You know, what's hard? What's not hard? But ultimately, I think, you know, any kid who sees his parent try to act like a kid, you know, that never works out well. You know, it would be no different than, you know, seeing a, you know, a 12 year old try to act 80. I mean, the two are just you know, <laughs> completely not in alignment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
like I said, that's a, a very big problem, man, that you see a lot. And especially now with social media now, and they feel like they have to be pressured. Again, I don't want to see the 50 year old taking selfies of himself with his shirt off all the freaking time. You know, and then you scroll down and there's his son with his shirt off and then they're hanging out with the shirt. I'm like, OK, both of you need to put, <laughs> both of you need to put your damn clothes on. OK, now it's, now it's becoming suspect. And I feel like I need to call CPS at this point now because it's getting a little creepy. You're looking very Woody Allenish right now, man. So I got a question. You know, Some people really. take this whole father and son activity. Oh, yes. That's way too far. I mean, there's a show on HBO <laughs> about about the legal prostitution ranches here in Las Vegas. Right. Yeah. And there was an episode on I forget the name of the show. It's an interesting show. It's on HBO. It's kind of a documentary type show. And anyway, there was an episode where a father and son went to one of these ranches and had sex with two women in the same room. Ah, oh, come on, man. They're like, they're like, this is like ah. a bonding experience for us. And I was like, well, you hold got, on, hold on. Like, I think I can admit, I think I can admit <laughs> throwing up right now. Is that him throwing up in the background? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just puked in his mouth. <laughs> Mike, Mike, you just ruined the surprise I had for Mitch. And some- <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I get along with my dad really well, but we don't need to know that about Ooh, each other. No, 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 no. We don't need that. We don't need that. We don't need this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need that kind of bonding, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, Pops. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, but so I mean, it's like Sincere's right, though. It's a, it's a fine line. Some some parents are way through authoritarian. They 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 run their family like Louis Gossett Jr. in Officer and a Gentleman. <laughs> right. I had Mayonnaise. I, I had a friend who's father was just like that right he was very strict and so forth and all of his kids became total screw-ups i mean some of them really tragic you know like addicted to drugs in prison stuff like that they just wound him up way too tight man and then uh, you know my upbringing was a pretty good balance you know both of my parents were my dad gave me a little bit of rain to you know to get in trouble and and be rebellious and all that stuff but not too far where i would just go totally off the deep end right and so he, he knew when he had to step in and say look Okay, now it's time to cut it off. It's like this is too much. I remember when I was in college, and after my second year, I was just wasn't really feeling it that much. And I, I was I was just talking out loud with him and just saying just basically to myself. But basically, I was I was alluding to the fact that oh maybe I should just take a break from school right now. And then my dad goes, he's like, take a break. He's like, what are you gonna do? He's like, what are you qualified to do? He's like, what are you gonna do? Go work at Tower Records? He's like, just finish the <laughs> just finish the motherfucker, man, and get this degree. <laughs> Okay. And then you go waste time fighting yourself. It's, okay. How dated? How dated is this conversation that you said Tower Records? And the fact that exactly. the fact that three of us on this call understood, we knew exactly what you were talking about. And Mitch is like, "What?" Mitch, it's not, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what Tower Records is. It's just like website that went defunct a while back. And Mitch is going. Wasn't it in that movie? Uh, that movie that came out with Tom Cruise singing uh, "Rock of Ages." Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh. <laughs> no, but sometimes a father has to know when to step in, man. And right. in my, we, I have, uh, I also, I also have a friend who was, when he was in college, he he had his first serious relationship, and the girl broke up with him, and this guy was so demoralized by that, so distraught that he basically dropped out of school, lived in with, moved back with his parents, and was there for years before he finally got himself together because his parents just let him do that. Now, yeah. my, my brother, I remember he was telling the story. My brother Roger was in the room. He's like, oh, man. He's like, if I even brought that up to my father, he would have been like, oh, shit, Roger, get the fuck out of here and go back to school, you fucking idiot. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but it just lost him, man. And that's what my father was like. He was he was compassionate. He would be like, okay, you know, this is a real problem. But at the same time, when he knew you were doing something stupid, he wasn't going to even think twice about just saying, look. This is dumb. 
you don't know what you're talking about, finish this deal. And, and then you need those things. You know, what if right. my father at that time was like, oh, yeah, yeah, why don't you go ahead and take a semester off? And honestly, what you're hoping is that your father or your mother will set you straight. Reminded me of an interview with Ronald Reagan, President Reagan, and mm-hmm. forget who was interviewing him, but he talked about how a lot of kids want their parents to provide some discipline. I'm not talking about taking their belt off. <laughs> right. No, I'll Thank pass on that some one. Some degree of structure. <laughs> but there was right. a kid one time who who was invited to go to to a, to a sleepover, right, a teenager, and this kid knew that there was going to be all kinds of trouble there. But he didn't want to look uncool and say, you know, I don't want to go. So he was hoping that his parents would say, say you know what, you can't go. Right. But his parents were like, ah, go ahead. So I thought it was a really interesting interview with Reagan where he said a, a lot of kids are looking for that guidance. And, and it's so true, man. It's really true. I mean, therefore, they can feel like they're not lying when they're like, hey, man, are you coming? I'm like, no, my dad told me I couldn't. You know, if they say go ahead, it's kind of like, oh, shit, I can't even lie about it, man. Like, because uh, now it's just like a punk. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, man. So, yeah, Mitch. So how does that how does that work for you, Mitch? <laughs> so, I, so. I, I was kind of lucky to where um, I wasn't born with like parents with difficult personalities you know i wasn't i didn't grow up like where my parents were like you know blasting their horns or complaining about long lines like those type of assholes like, <laughs> I, I pretty much just saw how to like how to just how to act and i don't know why but i've never really been that kid that was like troubled i like my dad said he got like super lucky i guess i don't know i <laughs> i'm not sure how I got this way. Honestly, Mitch, just looking on the outside, I think I think the fact that you got into physical training to such a high degree really kept you out of a lot of trouble, which you probably don't even realize because you right. were so focused. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you you really got you were very good at kettlebell mm-hmm. sport very early on. I remember there were there's clips of you when you're 14 and you're crushing it with the 16 kilo kettlebell, and everyone's impressed. Oh, thanks. And then I, th- I think you got a lot of positive support, not only from Ken, but the rest of us. And then you're in this really positive community where you're 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 getting a lot of your needs met that where you don't have to look outside for any kind of peer approval to the degree that mm-hmm. a lot of other kids did. So I think yeah. that getting getting involved with martial arts or physical training or something, basically finding something that you're passionate about at a young age will keep you out of a lot of trouble. It would have kept me mm-hmm. out of a lot of trouble if I got into physical training a few years before I did because I didn't have you have all this energy and you're trying to develop this personality and if it doesn't go to a positive place, it's going to go to whatever place is available, and that's usually going to be a negative place. Yeah, I even yeah. think just just even when he was smaller, just like being around his dad, being around like with boxing, just being around all these different things that required discipline. He's actually getting to observe and understand what discipline is about without necessarily someone telling him like, hey, you got to be disciplined, blah, blah, blah. He, he just saw it like, OK, this takes a little work, but it, it, there are some goals involved. So therefore, there's always you're always working towards something where a lot of kids, they don't see that. They use the toe, stay home, you know, don't don't get mm-hmm. up, be quiet. Don't you can't leave the house, go upstairs, go watch TV. So they're not doing anything that has anything to do with goals whatsoever. It, other than go to school. And even when they get to school halftime, there's still no goals, really. It's just like the only goal is to make sure their ass is in a seat so that school can get state funding because that seat needs to be filled. It's not even so much about like, hey, you know, how many of you want to go to college? How many of you don't want to go to college? You don't want to have. They rarely ask that question right there. Who doesn't want to go to college? And then you don't instead of asking that, you're just like, OK, why not? You know, a lot of times kids don't know. They just probably think like, well, I can't afford it or I can't do this. Maybe it could be someone that 
you know, being around an entrepreneur type family was like, well, I don't see the need to go to college. Actually, I want to start my own business. And, you know, I'd rather have some friends that went to college so they can work for me. OK, that's, <laughs> right. that's the kid I want to talk to right there. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's like they don't ask the right question. But too many people are so passive with kids these days, not just the parents, but the teachers and everyone else that these kids, they don't have anything to shoot, you know, shoot for other than just to wake up in the morning, go to school, come back home. Don't die on your way to both. And that's about it. So I think that's I think that's probably another big influence that maybe he didn't realize. He saw he was around a lot of goal oriented people and disciplined people. And it just he absorbed it, you know. Yeah, Yeah. because kids are they're naturally like conformists. So I guess. Right. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell a kid to do something all day long, but they they don't they don't hear you. They they see you, oh, that's true. And, and that's the thing. So they that's the best way that you can teach a child is your actions. You can just shut the hell up. They're not listening. <laughs> no, but Mitch is Mitch is absolutely correct. Kids are naturally conformists because that the the need to be part of the group is so strong that when you're ostracized from that, it it can be a lot for a young person to take, yeah. and it can, it can have disastrous consequences. But honestly, you know, looking back on my childhood, when when I really got into the whole thrash metal, heavy metal, just fringe scenes, really got into music, and I started dressing a certain way, acting a certain way, you were you were definitely marginalized a great bit oh, by. Yeah. By the majority of people, but it but for me, I found a reservoir of strength because I was like, "Fuck you guys! I don't need to be part of that bullshit." And I'm not going to be something. <laughs> I'm not going to be something I'm not. And this is me at 15, 16, saying that. You know, some people never get to that point, even no. as grown people. So here's me at 15, 16, saying, "I don't care how much flack I get. Right. I'm still going to. This is who I am. This is what I'm going to be. I don't care if I'm marginalized or ostracized by these jackoffs. These these aren't going to be people I know in five years, ten years anyway. Who cares?" And I, I think that was important for me to develop because it allowed me to have a much broader mindset of getting into seeing opportunities before other people did, such as kettlebell training and now my supplement line and other stuff where you're not you're not that conformist where you're just looking at what other people are doing and then you just follow suit. Yep. Yeah. And I think it is. It all comes down to I think that it's, it's human nature to want to fill a void. So. Right. It doesn't matter if it's an adult or a kid. I think people by nature want something to focus on. They want something to obsess about and think about. So it really kind of depends on what you surround yourself with. So if you surround yourself with positive people and positive situations, that stuff is osmotically to some degree going to yeah. get absorbed. But then if right. you know, you're hanging around people or maybe if you're a kid and your parents are not physically active at all and they don't eat healthy – and they tend to have a negative outlook on life, you know, that's kind of a recipe for maybe that kid finding a Nordic death metal band. <laughs> no, it's kind of, it's kind of a right. philosophy I live by. It's like, a, it's a modification on one of my favorite lines from the movie Heat, right? In Heat, there's a scene where Robert De Niro talks about a guy in prison who told him, you know, don't allow yourself to be attached to anything that you're not willing to walk away in 30 seconds flat when the heat's around the corner, right? It's yeah. one of my favorite lines. And yeah. uh, I've, I've modified that line to like, don't allow yourself to be attached to any loser that's going to bring you <laughs> down. You know, you have to walk <laughs> away from that flat because my attitude is I, I'm very I'm very strict with who I let in my life and not. It's like anyone who has destructive habits, whether it's mental, emotional, whatever it is. I don't want to be around that person. So you're not you're not going to be in my inner circle. You're not going to be someone. I'm not going to allow you to have my energy, and I don't want to be affected by yours. I also don't like being around people that are, that just live in a state of doubt. They always they doubt themselves, and they don't think anything can happen because right. a lot of times we have those doubts ourselves. And the last thing I need is someone else reinforcing those. <laughs> yeah, right. you know? Like in my mind, I might be thinking, I don't know if I can pull this this whole testosterone booster or this whole nutrition supplement line off. And then I have five people in my life going, "Man, you're oh, not going to no, really make that happen." <laughs> not about to make that happen. Who are you? You know how much money it takes to make that happen? It's like, who's going to buy it? 
it's like, man, maybe they're right. You know, I don't need that crap, man. Right. <laughs> you know? So yeah. Well, that, that's then such a huge point. I mean, you know, it's just you know, especially for I'd say especially for kids, but again, even for adults, it's who you model. You know, it's who you surround yourself yeah. with, yeah. who do you admire. And then what are you trying to emulate? So well, peer, peer pressure never stops, man. It never, never stops. And that's one thing people don't realize. When you're a kid, there's a lot of peer pressure. And it's it's way more pronounced than because you're a kid. You're just coming into yourself. But when you're an adult, it's not any different, man. It's it's In fact, in a lot of ways, it's even more severe. Like when you work in the corporate world, a lot of times they want you to be married and own a home before you're allowed to move up the chain because they want you to be easier to control. If you own your right. house and you have a family, you're, you're not going to you're not going to tell the boss to f off like I've done <laughs> in the past because you have more to lose. Right. And that's that's exa- so it's a it's a control mechanism to a large extent. So that peer pressure never stops, but even even in in our world, this little microcosmic kettlebell world, you know, when I was in the RKC, it was always don't learn any other system, just focus on this. And then and then you have people going, you know, that stuff sucks. You should be doing kettlebell sport. Otherwise, you're a fraud. <laughs> you know, and yeah. you have all these different polarizing voices that are trying to tell you what you should be doing. And if you don't have strong resolve to say both you guys can go fuck yourself, exactly. I'm going to do exactly what I want to do. I got my own style of doing shit. I always have. If you guys don't like it, it's F all time. And if you think what you're doing is so great, come on over and train anytime, and we'll see what's up. Exactly. You know, <laughs> yes, that that. But, but it, all it, those it, clicks, man. It's just it's that, that tribal things, like you know, and it, it even comes down to just us. It's like you know, you got even that in the world right now. That's why the world's so cr- messed up right now because everybody thinks that their side is better. Their side is better, you know, like, oh, yeah, proud yeah. to be an American. Okay, <laughs> God, well, God bless America. What, and fuck the rest of the world? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, I always, like, when I hear that, I'm like, come on, man, seriously? I always laugh when someone goes, America's the greatest place in the world. I'm like, have you been anywhere I'm else? I'm like, where have you been? No. <laughs> <laughs> they, haven't even been out, they haven't even been out of their state. You, you even, like, or or their neighborhood. Been. You know, it's just like, you know, the north side. It's all about the north side. You know, not just, well, have you ever been on the south side of the other side? No, we don't go over there. Man, you, shut you, up. You have nothing to compare it to. Exactly. <laughs> Come on, man. You can't appreciate other cultures. It's 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 really going to lower the quality of your life to a large extent, man, because there's right. so many interesting people and there's so many interesting places in the world. And it, it just broadens your – it can only – It helps be, with everything in your, li- in your life, yeah, man. Even your business, your, your relationships. Yeah. I mean it just opens your mind up and you're so much more – I mean you're so open to other ideas other than your own. And then you start to realize – you know, then you start realizing a lot of your ideas aren't your own. It's what people have been planting in your head and you've been spouting it out like it's yours. You know, I'm like, I was like, really, is that how you really think? Is that what you're thinking right now? Or are you just reading from the binder? Like a lot of you know people that call you like a telemarketer or something or customer service and they're just re- repeating well, stuff. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> it's like people, I've had people come at me, these these paleo diet pundits come at me and go, well, you know, how do you get all the lalonic acid you need with on a... Uh, on a vegetarian diet, I'm like, okay, well, why do I need that in the first place? Like, it, it, it manages inflammation. I go, all right, well, what if my inflammation's already low? <laughs> like, well, I don't know then. It's like, yeah, exactly, motherfucker. That's, the, know, best, that's the best answer you could have ever <laughs> given. I don't know. That think these things through. It's like, well, how are you going to get this in your diet? It's like, well, first of all, do we even do? Do I even need to worry about whether I get that or right. not? Is the first question. And the answer sometimes is no. Then it's not a problem. It's always like, well, how are you going to get this ratio of <laughs> omega three, this, that, and so forth? That's like, well, let's first qualify whether we actually even need any of that stuff to be healthy. Yeah. You look at most centurions, people who live past hundred. They didn't. They didn't follow any specialized diet. They didn't follow paleo or vegan or any of that stuff. 
Yeah, the only thing diet they had was a happy diet. They got <laughs> they got rid of stuff that got on their damn nerves and got rid of. It's like, look, man, they smoked cigarettes, they drank wine every day, but they were around people who didn't get on their damn nerves. I said that right there is like the biggest thing you can add to your diet is making sure that you're including people that don't get on your effing nerves, whether it's people that you work with or people that you sleep with or whatever. It starts right there. And then a lot of other stuff will work itself out because if you're constantly surrounded by people that get on your freaking nerves, you tend to do an excess of all the stuff that jacks your body up. It tends to make yeah. you drink more, spend more money, spend more money at the strip club. You start yeah. doing buffets all the time because you're trying to do anything to <laughs> try out. Now you buffets at the strip club. You might to put those two together. <laughs> like, no, man, I don't even need to go to the buffets anymore. Buy. I'll just go to Sapphire's on Wednesday on, at 12 p.m. Yeah. buffet at 12 o'clock? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Boobs and beef? Well, what, what more can a man ask for? Did I have to go home? Nah, I'm going ahead and go to that buffet, man. That's usually what's, and that's what's happening on a daily basis. Then the guy pulls up in the driveway he's like you know what it's six o'clock mm, i'm thinking the dinner buffet just started up at sapphires okay well, I'm, turning, I'm gonna go ahead and turn around <laughs> maybe i'm working late at the office <laughs> and right now some guys listen like fuck how does he know <laughs> they're writing that down going well i'm gonna be in vegas next month. p.m sapphires okay i'm there <laughs> you get a lot of listeners who are like sweet strip places have buffets they got awesome. steak and a strip club <laughs> so taco bar Oh, oh, see. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, nope, the pink taco is not a strip club, folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Gluten-free. <laughs> <laughs> it's gluten-free. <laughs> it's not Putin-free, but it's gluten-free. So. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it may not be. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh God! It may not be. You know, you never know. Oh, you out in Las Vegas, you're taking your life in your hands. But... <laughs> so you live seriously. It's like, yeah, I eat out a couple times a week in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the the whole thing about who you surround yourself by is so critical, and and it's it's going to have this subconscious effect on you, whether you realize it or not. And if you're hanging around a bunch of negative people, <laughs> you may be, you may feel that you know what, I'm a strong-minded person. I, I'm still going to have the resolve to do what I can do. And you may be right, but why take the chance? <laughs> you know, right. Why not instead have people around? And I'm not saying people that are just positive for the sake of being positive, because we all, we all can do with the sense of realism. You know, your, your good friends are going to tell you like, look, let me, let me give you some food for thought, which you may not want to hear, but they're doing it from a place of concern, not because they want to squash your dreams, but they're just giving you something to think about. And it's coming from a place of compassion. And that's a good thing. But when we have people that, who don't have the courage to pursue their own life. So they're, they're already negative about their own life. And then here's you coming along doing all these amazing things. Instead of trying to rise to your level, they're thinking, how do I pull this guy down to my level? Because that's going to make me feel better about my inadequacies. And when, right. you, when you realize someone has those tendencies, especially when it comes to your personal life, your significant other, it's critical that you don't allow people like that there. But even in your, even in your slightly outer circle, you're just your close friends, family, et cetera, I mean, you, you, you have an obligation to cut those people out. Well, I think a lot of people, too, they fall into the trap of they're like, you know, I've, I've got some people around me. They're toxic. But, you know, I'm just going to work with them and I'm going to convince them that they're toxic. <laughs> and that never works because negative people never think they're negative. Right. right. Oh, it's like, boy. fuck you, man. I'm not negative. <laughs> I'm positive as fuck. 
It's like, screw you, man. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know me. <laughs> no, but, man, I mean, one thing that, about this podcast that's been – I mean, we've had some guests that have been pretty boring and be perfectly blunt, and I'm happy to name those off. <laughs> you know, I, 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 <laughs> Oh, please do. Well, You're I'm, like, well, Ken, this is awkward. We're well, starting with you. <laughs> our top ten guests and then our bottom ten guests. But anyway, some of those guests never made it to the, to, to the listener because we squashed those episodes. We respect but, our listeners enough. Like, you know what? We're not going to do that to them. The episode sucks. <laughs> it's not gonna, we're not going to air it. But anyway, there, but there, there have been some people that have just been real standouts. Like my friend Melia Kaplan, who runs The Voice for Animals in Los Angeles, who has dedicated her life to alleviating animal suffering, helping homeless dogs, cats, helping get, get laws passed to protect animals. And when you hear her voice, I mean, she is so enthusiastic that when Sincere and I had her on the show last week, it's, it's hard to get a word in because you don't want to interrupt her because she's just dropping gem after gem. <laughs> After Jeff, you know, she's right. so enthusiastic. She's not someone where you get her on the show and it's a struggle to get the conversation going. Right. Our friend James Pond, who runs Transitions Global to help victims of human trafficking, same thing. These really empowering stories and empowering individuals. That just lights up your whole day, man. You just feel great after talking to them. So I mean, it's, it can have the opposite effect. You know, negative people can really bring you down. But when you meet people that are doing impressive things, whatever it is, whether it's a business or a nonprofit or an athlete, you know, whatever it is, it could be someone who's just really enthusiastic about home improvement, and he has such right. passion about it that you're like, man, look how much pride this guy has in his job. That's always very invigorating. It always just makes you want to step up whatever you're doing. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. You know, even if it's Udo and he's just he's Udo Rasmus and he's just excited what's in his fridge right now. That in the fact yeah, that he, he, he's opening his fridge as he's doing the podcast. Said, Let me see what I have in here right now. He's like, okay, You're like damn dude, I need to go get some groceries right now. You just remind <laughs> me. Eat <laughs> healthy. Look at my fridge. I got cucumbers, tomatoes. <laughs> 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 like, Sounds like you got George St. Pierre in there too with that accent. <laughs> I'm not I, I, impressed I, I, with your. I think about him when I take the shower. I think I think about him when I use the restroom. <laughs> On the toilet when I'm in the shower. I'm obsessed with Hendrix. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, that Rory is going to be the next champion. Rory. <laughs> Rory. Speaking of MMA, how about that Cormer Jones fight last oh, night? That was awesome, man. I give round. I give oh. round one to Jones. You know, I was actually going to bet on Cormier when that fight came out. After watching that press conference, I'm like, I don't know. Man, I've never seen Jones that angry and fired up. And uh, round one goes to Jones, man. But like I said, what makes it even cooler is the fact, like I told you, like we said on the text, I said he single legged him right off the stage, came back, and then conducted an interview. It was calm and collective and just smiling, like, yeah. And then gave Comier props. Comier props as an athlete during that time. I was like, yeah, I just whipped this dude's ass off the stage. But you know, he's a worthy opponent. I really look forward to this. Off, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he threw him off stage the way that Cormier threw Dan Henderson around. That's what I was, exactly. That's what I was curious about because I go, man, Dan, I mean, Cormier's got such awesome power. If he gets his hands on Jones, is he going to be able to just throw him around? And I think the answer to that is no <laughs> because <laughs> because Jones has such an awesome reach and he's got some power too, man. He's, he can throw you around. Exactly. And on top of that, let's just say he does, he does get him down to the ground. Uh, but the thing about – Unlike all the other opponents that Cormier has had, one thing about Jones, he doesn't just lie there. 
It's like, you, no, you get your ass beat while he's on his back. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing oh, about he's so active. You, so yeah. you're not going to be a typical wrestler and just hug him and stay on top of him right there. You're going to be catching elbows to the face quite a few times. And he's going to mush you in the face. He's going to play dirty. Because one thing a lot of people don't bring up is that he likes to mush people in the face. He likes covering up your mouth and jacking up your breathing and putting his forearm across your mouth and all those different things. All those little dirty street tactics that those announcers don't talk about. I'm like, right. the, why is no one bringing this up? That really affects your offense when someone's doing that to you. Especially if you're the one, like I said, you're the one that's like in charge of the offense, but all of a sudden you can't breathe right. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm on top of so this guy. He's always putting his fingers in people's faces. Exactly. Now you're, oh, now you're worried about getting eye gas. Just oh, mess with exactly. these. Exactly. The patty doing, cake. The patty cake yeah, technique. He's always doing that measurement technique where he has one hand out or his yeah. fingers. <laughs> it was funny. I was like, <laughs> you know, that's a great technique, man. If, you know, if, if I'm I ever saying more people it, do it now. More people if I ever get into a street brawl, I'm just going to put my fingers in hey, the guy's face. Just start doing the ET technique. Home. Home. And just keep saying home. And it'll really confuse him. Home. I have a pretty good Actually, out of all of us, Sincere's got the biggest reach, man. I'm the shortest person on this call, but I got the longest reach. Sincere can touch his feet without leaning over. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good reach. Well played. Well played. I I I always thought Sincere was pretty good at pressing, but I was even more impressed when I watched a clip, I think a recent one, where I'm like, God damn, look how high the kettlebell is above his head. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's like, that's why when I told Ken, when he was doing my program, I said, you know what? I'm not going to sit out. When, like, right around the time, we both got injured doing long cycle. You know, we were trying a technique that just didn't Needle. fit our, didn't, did not <laughs> fit our bodies. Hey, so I was that. like, I'm like, dude, I'm not going to sit on the sidelines and just judge this competition. I need to do something. So I said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and try snatch. And sure enough, man, I found my home there, especially for this long ass reach. You know, it, it was just like a natural fit, man. So I was like, okay, maybe that's why long cycle sucks so much. Well, it's, 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 it's a natural fit that you found a home and snatch. Of so course, that. I mean, it's like going back home. It's like where it all started. You know? <laughs> going back home. <laughs> Coming you know, home. some things are just not a fit. Like jerk never came to me easily because it's <laughs> not something I ever really practiced often in my life. You know, snatch always come easily. <laughs> First time I ever tried a kettlebell snatch, bam, man, killing it. Just owned it. Like this is nice and smooth, uninterrupted. I love this. Okay. And my, my, my hip drive carried over perfectly to kettlebell snatch. <laughs> yeah, but that, that I can't wait for that Jones Cormier fight, man. That's going to be awesome. I think I think it's going to be really. What's interesting is both guys are actually undefeated i mean uh jones has that technical loss that's a yeah for for matt hamill that's a that was a bs like yeah that wasn't an actual loss and cormier has never been defeated so we actually have two undefeated guys here so that's going to be really interesting yeah but yeah i think a lot of it's going to be dependent on who gets to take down who gets top position and yeah, you know, I think, but I think if it stays on the feet, I think Jones will absolutely oh, slice it, him it up. Won't be pretty. Apart, yeah, it won't be pretty at all. I think if Cormier, I think I think you you nailed it, Ken. I think if Cormier can get his hands on him, then he can get some he can do some damage. The problem with Jones is how do you how do you get inside on that guy? Because yeah, the thing is, you know, one thing about training at AKA is like, who do you have that is built like Jones? Okay, and, you know, and uh, Cormier has even said that you know he's. Even, he plans to even train with Anderson Silva and Leota Machida, whatever. But again, you know, Still not the same. you don't have someone to replicate man. Jones. Okay. What is that? 84 inches of reach right there. Come on, man. Which is, he should, he should train with uh, Gustafson, but Gustafson, obviously, yeah. there's no, there's no motivation for Gustafson to train with him. for that. <laughs> it's like, no, you're, you're here because of me. asshole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gustafson know? has an injury anyway, but I mean, that, that one would make, that one could probably help because Gustafson has experience with Jones and Gustafson had a lot of success getting in on Jones and, yeah. and, and a lot of people thought he won that fight or it was even closer than it was. 
was. And I think Gustafson has the tools to beat Jones, no doubt. But uh, it's, it'll be interesting to see what what Cormier can pull off. He's a very smart guy, and he's a he's a very gifted athlete, man. He's yeah. a tough fucking dude. So I mean, it, I wouldn't be. He's a smart guy. He's got smart camp. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of fight it ends up being. But I'm I'm already in the future. I'm already waiting to see who's gonna take on Anthony Johnson though. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> oh no kidding! He, right. That dude's like just um, that dude's looking dangerous. Well, he's where he belongs, man. It's like you know he doesn't sit there and starve himself anymore. It's just like okay, now he can just be muscular and powerful like he's always been but be able to work with it unlike a lot of guys who are really muscular like that and johnson should have a few more fights oh yeah before he fights jones just to keep building his confidence i think jones be a little bit too much right now for him but if he if he fights let's say a guy like gustafson and beats him gustafson beats him that would be good if he if i'm trying to think who else in that weight class would just be a good challenge for him i mean there's not really too many people besides the top guys that would be a real challenge for him at this point yeah, definitely, man. So I, I think that's that's something to look forward to. Whoever he faces, like just say midpoint in twenty fifteen, man, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be good. Again, if he continues to win, like saying keep like you just said, keep building that confidence up, man. It's good to see real challenging fights, though. You know, that's yes, I'm so tired of these champions running over people, man. Like yeah. God, man. Like Ronda Rousey's fights are so boring because she's so <laughs> far ahead of all of her competition. It's what? ridiculous. The gap between her and her closest competitor is absolutely huge, and it's not getting any better because now no. next, next up, Gina Carano. I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm like, just, that's the, yeah. Someone who hasn't fought in four years. I'm like, come on, got man. Her ass handed to her by Cyborg last time she did fight. <laughs> Cyborg and Rousey has to be the only fight that's going to happen. I mean, that's the only one that that's one of that's that Pacquiao, just that Mayweather Pacquiao situation. Because it's like once it happens, now what? You know, there there goes that division. You know, there goes that division because once those two face off, you you're going to have to stretch it out like Randy and and Chuck. There's two, and then there's three, and then after the third one, after the rubber match. Now what? Then what? Think, Ronda retires. Rousey has to beat Cyborg to really solidify her status as the best female ever. Yeah. And then I think, she needs to quit. Then she can just go I think, ahead I think Cyborg has the tools to beat Rousey. No, I, I still I still would give an edge towards Rousey if I had a bet on it. But I think Cyborg will be her toughest challenge if that fight ever happens. I think it has to happen at some point. Yeah. I think it's already in the works, actually. Yeah, because, I mean, first of all, Cyborg's an Invicta. And, you know, Invicta's now partnered with the UFC, which you know what that means. Usually that means they're going to buy them out. <laughs> yep. You're about to get the WEC Strikeforce treatment. Don't think that everything is all hunky-dory and everything's cool because they already got the straw weights coming in. That just means they're eventually going to absorb all your weight classes and just you're done. Okay, so especially because their women's division is growing. So that means, Invicta, you're now a competitor. You know, you may think it's a partnership, but that's just not how it works. That's just that how business works. So, yeah, I, it, I see it happening now. I, I see that happening. I mean, you've seen a lot of things happen that you didn't think would ever happen as far as the UFC was concerned, especially Dana concerned. I mean, you got women here. You know, I mean, you've got you know, like Josh Barnett fighting in the UFC, which you never think that was going to ever happen again. Well, I mean, also, <laughs> here's the thing. Also, with, with Rousey, it's not going to be exciting anymore if she just keeps blowing through her opponents. No, in 10 my, this is it's all already, Mike Tyson. It's already not, yeah, it's, it's already, already not Mike Tyson from the 80s. Like, that was a waste of like 55 and $65 back in the 80s. I mean, you well, said that's, well, that's why she can't headline a card, right? But I guess. Guarantee you, if they make Rousey versus Cyborg happen, they can headline a card with that fight. Oh hell yeah, they can definitely. Oh for sure, but not anyone else. Definitely not Carano. Come on, that's going to be another twenty second fight. Oh god, exactly. <laughs> Carano's going to get hit one time and be like, "Man, I don't want to mess up this pretty face." And that's it. <laughs> Tap over. <laughs> hey, let's do a movie together, Ronda. <laughs> exactly. Let's do Expendables twelve. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. I think I think if if Ronda beats Cyborg, it, that would be her. It, it's time for her to just move on, man. She's beat everybody. She's undefeated. She leaves undefeated. Wow. She can. She can. She's a good looking girl. She can pursue a very successful movie career and whatever else she wants to do. So I mean, she's definitely a game, man. She's a, she's definitely a real competitor. She's very talented. Too talented for a division. It's like she's ahead of her time. Right. You know, like ten years from now, there'll be other people like her. <laughs> you know, she'll be long gone, obviously, at that point. But it, but it makes things interesting. You know, Ken, we know you got to go, but I just had one last question for you. Before for sure. Here is, you've had injuries in the last couple of years. How do you how do you train around injuries? What do you do to keep yourself motivated when you can't do the things that you enjoy doing? I would say like the first thing is, um, you know, because I hurt my knee approximately two years ago. And, you know, the training for kettlebell sport at that time, it was going phenomenal. Everything was on track. And then just like Sincere said, we both got injured via the same technique, which is when you land in the under squat and the jerk, you knee roll. And so I knee rolled back a little bit too fast and ended up blowing out my left knee. And I think at that point for me, it was really, you know, it was, it was like depression because I had been training for so long and everything was going good. I was at the highest level of my sport and then I got injured. So at that point it became really important to counterpunch the depression part of it. Where, where I'm like, I got to find something else to focus on. I got to right. fi- find something that's going to fill that void. You know, otherwise it's going to be bad. So at that point, you know, I really got into yoga and I thought, hey, if I can't really push hard with the bells, the least I can do is improve my mobility, my flexibility, my health, and just try to use that as a time to target other goals. So I think the big thing is if you do get injured, there's going to be a void. And if you're an obsessive, mm-hmm. you know, compulsive athlete like we are, you, you better find something and you got to find something positive that's going to fill that gap. Otherwise, you're probably going to fill it with negative things. Right. Is this around the same time that you started really accelerating with AFS? <laughs> <laughs> I totally knew that was coming. I mean, yeah, AFS just became an amazing rehabilitative protocol. It helped with my breathing, my lung capacity. Ken, I mean, if you're if you're really looking to step up your AFS training, get an O2 trainer. Yeah, I was I, thinking I, the same thing. Nothing, you said nothing carries that. over. To AFS more than that. A sincere can definitely concur with that. Oh, yes. <laughs> thank, thank you, boss. Thank you. When boss. you get up to level thirteen on the a, on the O2 trainer, I'm telling oh, you, man, yeah. you can. I mean, what what you had to. I mean, sometimes with AFS, you have to be three feet from the target or less. I mean, <laughs> once once you can do once you can use the O2 trainer at level thirteen, man, you could be you could be in the other room, man, and you can you can apply some. Very highly technical AFS techniques. Oh, think, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Oh, man. Well, cool, man. Looking forward to working with you next month. Ken's going to be in town with us at the Live Life Aggressively Podcast Summit. It's going to be September 2021 in Las Vegas. Make sure that you check out MikeMahler.com. Still a few spots left. It was actually sold out a while back, and then we had a couple people that had to bail, so we have a few spots left that to fill this course out. But we have about 35 people now, so it's going to be a big course. It's going to be at Tim Larkin's gym, a friend of ours in town. It's going to be awesome. Anyway, check out that information. And thanks a lot to our guests, Ken and Mitch Blackburn, for coming on. You guys are great. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Awesome, man. And where can people find out more information about what you guys have going on? Yeah, just probably the best place to go would be uh, IKFF.net. Go to our website. Uh, We actually just got a new website, so hopefully everybody likes the look of it. And it's got all of our events coming up, so it has. Uh, well, the old the old one sucked, so it's a good thing that you guys well, got do, a new one. <laughs> don't don't pull your punches, Mike. Just say what's in your mind. Oh, not only did the old one sucked, but it hasn't been updated for about six years, so it's a good thing that you guys have a new website. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, our new website, yeah, definitely has a nice, clean look to it. It's got some fresh functionality. So uh, for anybody interested in any of our events, whether it's workshops, competitions, or certifications, they can go again to ikff.net. That's awesome. Man. No, I mean, IKFF is the only kettlebell certification course that I endorse. People always come to me, they go, you don't teach certifications. Which one do you recommend? By far, in a way, the IKFF, what Steve and Ken and Mitch do is by far the best one. They go all around the world. You're going to learn a very broad spectrum of effective kettlebell training in a way that's fun. It's not going to be a military boot camp para experience. So definitely check out IKFF.net for more information on that. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Man. Thanks so much, Mike. And thanks, Sincere. I appreciate you guys having us on. No thanks again, Ken. And we'll see you soon, man. All right. Take, take care, guys. Take, take care, Mitch. Later, you guys. Take care. Again, that's our friends, Ken and Mitch Blackburn. Check out IKFF.net. Really good information. You'll have a good time on there. And also, make sure you get out to our course next month. I mean, come on, people. It's about a month and a half left, man. Get to MikeMahler.com, sign up for the course, use coupon code LLA to get 10% off the registration fee, and get in before it sells out because we haven't really been doing much promotion on this since the original splurge of registrations. Right. So now that we're in the home stretch, we're going to promote it a little bit harder, get those spots filled, and make sure everyone has a great time at a fun course. Two days, September 2021, Las Vegas. I mean, what more do we really have to say? Steve Cotter, Sincere Hogan, Mike Mahler. It's going to be an awesome course, man. Ken Blackburn's going to be killer. So get out to it. Lunch provided by Sapphires. <laughs> <laughs> lunch, is gonna be hand, lunch is going to be hand sandwich because we don't do lunch. <laughs> we don't have time for lunch, man. That's what it's going to be. The, we're going we're gonna to show you the benefits of the warrior diet. No eating during the day and a big meal at night. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, folks. So in the meantime, also head over to both our websites. Use that coupon code LLA. Get 10% off of all of our products. And if you cannot, if you're a little strapped for cash right now, then you know what you can do? Help get the word out about this show by heading over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a review as well as share the show from there. That's the cool thing about Stitcher. You can share it social with all social media once mm. you do your review. It's all plugged in right there. You don't have to go searching for right. anything or anything like that. It's right there. And it's just that simple. Just click it. It's done. You can move on with your life or you can move on to the next episode that you've missed because we're like 90 plus deep at this point. So it's just that simple. So, yeah, helping get the word out, man, shares the show and it gives other people an opportunity to, to discover what you guys already know. And right. then once they love the show, they may buy some products. And here's the cool thing. Those products not only benefit us and benefit the show, but also benefits a lot of great charities out there. Like, oh, like, first of all, dude, I just want to do this one plug before we leave. Sure. You know, that, um, you know, and I discovered this actually via you. And um, it was uh, the Save the Chimps Foundation. Yeah, man. You awesome. Know, but what's really cool about them this month, they are matching anyone's donations. They're going to match that mm-hmm. for the month of August, all the way up until all the way up to a cap of $40,000. So let's just say you get $40,000. They're going to give $40,000. But yeah. let's just say you're strapped for cash and you get $5. Well, guess what? They're going to give they're going to match it. They're going to match yeah. that, man. Yeah, so, they have a high-profile donor who's going to match any donations in August. So what happens exactly. is, I mean, if you donate 1000 bucks, this individual is going to donate 1000 Exactly. So I actually, I actually made a donation the second I got that email. I actually, I actually sponsor a few of the apes that are there. It's a pretty cool gift idea for someone. If you, have yeah. a, if you have a spouse or a kid or a friend who just loves animals and in particular has a proclivity towards chimps, then you can actually go to savethechimps.org and, save yeah. and you can look at all the chimps that they take care of there. And 
you can actually sponsor one that strikes a chord with you. Yep. And it's a great gift to give someone else. Whenever I, when, I mean, the only gifts I give out to people on Christmas and birthdays are basically charity gifts. I'll make a donation in that person's name to whatever organization I think is a good fit for their personality. And it's the best gift you can give rather than just one more material thing that's going to end up in someone's closet. And right. then at and a white <laughs> elephant, a white elephant event, you know, he's going to get regifted or something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, that's a great organization. So definitely check that one out. I've, I've actually contacted the organization to get an individual from there to come on the show oh, and talk about all the stuff they do, talk about how it was founded and what they do there. Because I think I think there's somewhat of a misunderstanding. Some people feel like, okay, these these chimps are in this basically. What? Why are they still in captivity? It's like, well, it's a long story, but the the quick story is that these were chimps that were either experimented on in labs or they were abused in entertainment ops facilities, right. facilities such as circuses and places like that. And what they did is they got these chimps out of those negative environments and put them in a, a really nice sanctuary in Florida where they have plenty of space to roam around, they're fed good food, they're well taken care of, and they get to interact with other chimps there. Now, is it ideal? No. The ideal would be they're in the ideal would be they were never in this situation. They're right. out in nature somewhere. But we have to work with what we're we're, what we're dealing with, the hand that's dealt here. Yeah. So these are some proactive people that saw that created a, a viable solution to a real problem that's out there. But anyway, you can you can watch the documentary about them, learn more about the organization by just checking out their website. Yep, there you go. So, lots of good things to think about and do right there. Until the next time we see you guys on the show. So, until then, take care, everybody. Take care. Bye.